Weekly Sprawl. You are tuned into episode 91. Today, we're going to give you our thoughts on the NFL schedule. We have some insight on who's going to play who this upcoming year. We're going to talk about some coaches we think might be on the hot seat if they don't do well in this upcoming season. And then we're going to go through some would-you-rather scenarios. So we're going to have a fun episode today. I want to introduce my co-hosts, Casey Sully and Matthew Durgan. How are you both doing? Uh, it's another week, another uh, no-talking situation for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, lovely. You know, I feel like extended family for him now. Um, he's completely cut me off. I don't know where his head is at. And, um, you know, I just hope that one day he can find it in his heart to, to forgive both I and the rest of the Packers owners, mm. the, the shareholders, uh, and let us, let us you know, enjoy his play one, one more time in, in Lambeau. Yeah, he texted me. He said no. Um, <laughs> that hurts so. a little bit. That hurts a yeah. little bit. He also said honest. he said it's nothing personal, Casey. You just smell kind of funny. So it happens. I mean, I understand uh, on some level. You know, I need to change up the deodorant every once in a while. But uh, you know, that hurts. I wish he would have just you know confronted me. I, 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 feel, I feel ghosted right now, essentially, and uh, you know that's never a, a, a fun feeling. So, um, I mean, Aaron, if, it- if you're listening. I'm sorry for whatever I did. Please come back. I mean, you fit right with his family, so you're you're ghosted for life. No communication, at all. Well, ever. if he can put me in his will, at least <laughs> you're I'll good. take it. You're in good shape. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, all, that's, all bridges are fixed. It's an unfortunate situation for sure. I'm, I'm not envious of you. Obviously, you don't want to be the center of attention from this perspective in the off season, um, especially when it's your franchise quarterback and one of the best quarterbacks to play um, in question here. So. We'll follow that that storyline uh, more seriously um, as as it evolves. Obviously, we've had nothing nothing new, as Casey said, unless uh, something breaks when this releases tomorrow, and then we're sorry that we didn't cover it. But um, Durgan, what about you? How you doing, man? Uh, doing good. I mean, the schedule came out. We're going to talk about that. But I think more encouraging news, uh, besides the fact that we get to finally see a schedule, is that every NFL team plans on having full attendance next year. Uh, for games, which is great. I mean, last year was a tough year for everybody, but not being able to go to sporting events uh, sucks, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and we're getting very close to it. Uh, maybe Casey can watch his Packers lose to the Niners uh, in person again. That'll be a lot of fun, of course, but hey, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I look forward to spending $500 again to watch Sunday <laughs> Night Football and, and see the Packers just get throttled by the 49ers in Levi Stadium. You know, there's nothing I want more in my <laughs> hey. life. Than than that, yeah. This time I will not be attending with you, Casey. Sorry, but (laughs) hey, Niners play the Eagles in Philly too. Just throwing that out there. That's that is true. Week two, little boys trip might be a might be in the cards. But uh, (laughs) let's let's talk about our thoughts. You mentioned the schedule, Derek, and we we have a. we pretty much have all the information on t- in terms of uh, the upcoming schedule at a high level, I guess. Let's talk about what we think about it. Obviously, we can't dive into every single matchup yet. We will discuss um, some key matchups as we get closer to the season. But from a high level of what you've what you've seen, um, what kind of takeaways did you did you have from that? Yeah, I mean, this is the first year is a seventeen game schedule, so the season obviously gets a little bit longer. It's a week eighteen now. Uh, so it, it, it's interesting to see where your team, for example, I did at least look where my where the buy is because that buy I think can be more important than ever because longer season you want that like right in the middle. Uh, so a lot of teams got there like to week six. That's tough because you have to play eleven straight games afterwards. So that's the first thing I looked at. But then when I looked at the season or the schedule as a whole, I looked at the primetime games. That, that's the most interesting part in my opinion. And the Monday Night Football schedule for the first time I think maybe ever. Is actually pretty good. 
And that's good because I can't stand the announce <laughs> booth. I think they're Lewis Briggs okay. But the other two, Steve Levy and Greasy, are terrible. So I need a reason to watch those games. And you look at them, and there is a lot of good matchups. Uh, I mean, week two, obviously, that's one. It's like Packers versus Lions. Packers should throttle them, of course. But look at other games early on. You have Ravens and Raiders. That's a good matchup. Bills and Titans. Uh, Eagles and Cowboys. Bad division, but that's going to be a competitive football game. Uh, looking down further down, it's going to be Rams versus Niners. So there's a lot of good games available. And I don't think, at least obviously, that there is no, like, wow, like this is a bad game. There's no Jets versus Bengals, which... We have been stuck watching on some sort of primetime game uh, forever. So I'm happy that Monday Night Football is back to where it belongs. It should be the best game of the week. Uh, it rarely is. But I'm excited to see some uh, good matchups uh, on Monday night. Yeah, I'm, I'm always sad when the Packers play on Monday night because that usually means I have to miss it because I'm at practice. But, um, you know, I, I agree on the sentiments of the announcing booth. And, uh, you know, if they want the best game, maybe they need to put up a, a better production and uh, get more people in, in front of their, their couches and their seats. And, uh, you know, until they do that uh, and they keep hiring the Booger McFarlands of the world, <laughs> you know, I, I don't expect them to be the, the premier guys. Maybe they'll have an opportunity when um, Al retires from Sunday Night Football. Um, they might have a chance to sort of sneak in there and, and get a, a premier broadcasting group. But uh, nice to see the, the NFL throw them a couple bones, give them some some games that are you know can fill the dare, dead air without uh, you know the announcers having to do it for them. So uh, I, I also look at the primetime games first. Generally, um, like you were saying, the buy is super important, especially with the elongated year. We touched on it a few episodes ago when we were talking about the the seventeen game season, and you know there's a potential that one team could have a, a week four buy or a week five buy, and then have to play twelve straight games, and then potentially four playoff games on top of that. So they have to play an entire season uh, straight with no buy potentially after after a week four or five buy if you make it to the Super Bowl, which seems insane to me, and it'll be a sort of a, a war of attrition there, but. Uh, you talked about the Monday night football schedule. I looked at the Thursday night games. Those have notoriously been very bad as well, but they've got a number of good ones as well this 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 year. You got Rams at Seahawks, Packers at Cardinals, Ravens at Dolphins, Bills at Saints, Steelers at Vikings, Chiefs at Chargers, 49ers at Titans. All big matchups, some interconference matchups, which which should be fun to watch that you don't get to see very often, like the 49ers and the Titans. Uh, you know, only play each other once every four years, so. That'll be on Thursday night, and you, you get to take a peek at those Steelers and Vikings as well interconference, um, Bills and Saints as well. So some unique matchups there that that I think are, are worth looking forward to uh, on the Thursday night slate. Yeah, and and I guess I'll just keep the the uh, primetime train going. And you know, Sunday night football is usually pretty good, and that hasn't changed. It's just kind of banger after banger in terms of good matchups here. I mean. We look at some of them. Week two, you got the Chiefs versus the Ravens, followed by the Packers versus the Niners, which could be good, could be bad, depending on uh, what we discussed earlier in this podcast. It really depends um, if Jordan Love is behind us. <laughs> oh, center, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Or, or if the Niners mm-hmm. are uh, actually playing and not in the uh, injury booth. That's true, too. Yeah. As with last, go, either last season. Way, so. Either way. Either way. It won't be a close game. I can tell you that right now. It'll be a blowout yeah. of some kind. <laughs> And then, I mean, you know, right after that, you got the Bucks versus the Pats, and maybe not as competitive. The Bucks are probably better than the Pats, but the Pats signed a lot of people in the offseason. They may be a little better than they were previously, and that storyline is always interesting. Yep. You know, Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick, um, Bills versus Chiefs, week five. It just keeps going. Week after week, Sunday night is really good, and uh, Casey finally gets his wish. 
the Eagles nor the Cowboys play a single Sunday night football game this season. So yes. uh, I know you mentioned God. that previously. You're like, I'm tired of seeing the NFC East just all over Sunday night and primetime football. So just there you go. Slopping it up. It's giving mostly, us dog shit games to watch. I, mean, I hate them. I'm not making excuses for the Eagles here, but it's mostly the Cowboys because they're always on TV. And it's like, okay, after a while, I'm tired of seeing like the same team that's not my own team play. Like, come on, figure it out. But one quick point, Casey, you mentioned about the Thursday night games. I think Thursday night mm-hmm. games, no matter who is playing, uh, and it always favors a home team because it's a short week, got to travel. Sure, sure. Look at all the games you mentioned, except for the Rams and Seahawks, which, I mean, the Rams are better. But every away team, I think, is the more established team and the better team, but the at disadvantage. So there's a lot of close matchups, I think, on mm-hmm. deck there. And uh, we're going to be seeing some good games. I'm excited. Now that um, those games are also on Amazon. I believe every single one of them is on Amazon. Uh, so the more business side, how the streaming world is taking over uh, NFL. And they're really the first streaming service to have this kind of deal with um, a sports league, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and they have their own broadcast, I believe mm-hmm. Amazon does. Like they were all simultaneously streamed. The Fox broadcast was yeah. on Amazon last year, but now Amazon's going to have their own their own dudes and their own booth. It seems like so that'll be cool, interesting to to see. And I, I think they're going to have some more little widgets and camera views and stuff like that that you can toggle on and through sort of on their browser and through Roku or YouTube TV or whatever, you might have some more options as, as far as viewership goes while you're watching those Thursday games on Amazon. Yeah, maybe Alexa will just purchase you some jerseys of a player who scored a <laughs> touchdown. You won't even, yeah, won't even yeah. know what's going on. You'll just all of a sudden be in debt to Jeff Bezos. And um, Yeah. But, I, um, I, I have a, a, a billion-dollar idea for Amazon here. After you know seeing Jeopardy and seeing all these guest hosts, what Amazon should do is have like guest announcers every week is a new like new person so you might get you know some guy who's from new york doing a game involving two teams on the west coast and then you can get a big time player to come and do it like you got like a you know jerry rice to do one game or you got let's see packers versus niners game you had jerry rice and brent Favre in the booth that would be pretty cool to listen to be pretty cool they might, might be terrible people i mean brent Favre is a little weird but like in terms of excitement, <laughs> in terms of like, oh, I want to hear what these guys have to say about the game. That would be pretty interesting. There's your idea, uh, Bezos. I'm with you. I think that's a great idea. I will say I think the ability to commentate a game is a skill set that yes. not all players can just come in and do. So, um, you know, you may get a couple of weird ones in there if you're continuously oh, yeah. rotating. Oh, yeah. But I like the idea. I think it'd be cool to hear from from players, especially ones that have history with the teams playing. Mm-hmm. For so, sure. Yep. That I mean, would be for, cool. Yeah, the only concern was you get some of the Jason Wittens in there and, and all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden you're, yeah. you're in trouble. And then something then, rabbit yeah. rabbit at the in the hat or whatever. What was it? What was, pull what did, pull what a Jason? rabbit out of the head. Pull a rabbit out of the head. It, he didn't even say hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was oh, uh, Jason Witten, the robot. Yeah, that was that was an unforgettable season in which he uh completely botched his opportunity to to uh, commentate games. Um, <laughs> so the reason why he went back to the NFL, we'll just say that. Yeah. For sure. Uh, speaking of potentially botching opportunities, let's talk about some coaches that we think might be on the hot seat coming into the season um, that might you know, have some pressure to uh, perform more so than others. Durgan, we'll start with you. Who do you think, think kind of has to show up here or might be on their way out? Well, do you want me to give my entire list or let's go one by one? What do you guys want to do? 
Well, I have a feeling your list probably mirrors a lot of what we would think fair, too. So fair. why don't you give your list and we I'll can kind of talk mm-hmm. about who we think. And if you if we have any that weren't on your list, we can bring that up too. Let's roll then. First guy, Matt Nagy. And when you think you have two playoff appearances in three years, you would think that's a pretty good coaching job. But the last two years have not been good. Uh, especially last year, they got kind of in fluky reason got into playoffs. They, were, they weren't a playoff team. <clears throat> and Trubisky is the main reason for that. And that was Matt Nagy's guy. When you draft the quarterback, you tie yourself to him, and they fail. As offensive head coach, that reflects on you more than anything. Uh, now you have Justin Fields, who can save his job absolutely. But you need Justin Fields to show something, or else you're in trouble. I mean, if Justin Fields goes out there and looks like Tua, who looked fine but didn't look great, I don't know how much longer he's going to be around. Uh, so he's the top guy for me. Uh, number two is Zach Taylor. I think that guy's an absolute bum. I, he didn't deserve a head coaching job to begin with, and he definitely has not changed my mind at all. Uh, six wins in two years ain't great. Yeah, that team is horrible, but you got to show something, some sort, of, some sort of life. And now, in theory, he'll have Joe Burrow full season, has some young talent on that offense. He has no more excuses. He has to show at least something. Number three is Vic Fangio, who I think is a great coach. I'm not sure if he's a great head coach. He's also 62 years old, hasn't had a winning season yet. That offense is terrible and done no favors, so I don't know if he's really the person to blame for that. But it's put up a shut-up time. I think that's why they were so aggressive in trying to to, uh, get Aaron Rodgers, which still, I guess, could be a possibility, but who knows at this point. Uh, number four on my list, Mike McCarthy. Uh, he should been fired last year. Another guy, absolute fraud. The fact that Aaron Rodgers made that team relevant when he was a Packers head coach is more impressive than, I think, anything else he's done in his whole career. And that includes dating supermodels and very attractive women. So he's, he's done it all on the field and in life. This is number one, in my opinion, because Mike McCarthy sucks. He, he has not adapted at all. And he kept saying before he got hired to the Cowboys that he spent a whole year learning about analytics and all this stuff. I don't know what he was. Maybe I hooked on phonics. Maybe that's kind of analytics he was looking at because he's way off uh, on his. The offense was pretty good last year, though, with Dak. But they're also losing like all the time. Like they're giving up like forty points a game. So okay. Like, all right, also, the off- the offense was good with Jason Garrett with Dak too. So it's not you know true. <laughs> sure. But, you know, he's doing his side of the ball, and he fired his defensive co- coach. Well, and, you know, at, at least early early on, you know, especially with the Packers, uh, he was very well thought of, and he had a, a unique offense, and, you know, he hasn't adapted since then. But, you know, I, I wouldn't say he's a complete fraud, and uh, you should write him off after one year where he lost his quarterback in week four. Well, that's why he got second year. He has one year. He has, he has four games. Four okay. games. He, this is Jerry Jones that held on to Jason Garrett for about eight or nine. So I, I know. I think he may have more than well, just one year here. J- Jason Garrett's also like he was his baby. Like he loved Jason Garrett as a son. But I, I would digress. One last coach I want to go through. Cliff Kingsbury. He's another fraud that was not worthy of getting a head coaching job. He didn't win in college with Patrick Mahomes. Like come on. And if he didn't look like Ryan Gosling, he would not be on like. Nobody's talking about him right now as a terrible head coach. And I have seen him lose games when a head coaching head coach should be you know, elevating his team, making good play calls, winning the game with their wit and smart. He's the opposite. He loses his team's games. And now he has no excuse because their roster is stacked. I know, you know Kyler Murray, some I think he's kind of a gadget quarterback and they need a spread offense like Cliff Kingsbury. So many other teams are using this kind of similar concepts uh, in NFL and they're not – 
the college NFL, the lines are blurred. It's not black and white anymore. College offenses are a lot like NFL offenses and vice versa. So he needs to put up a playoff uh, season, which I think they will, or at least be very close to it. Uh, they should have had it last year. They lost to C.J. Beathard at home. So, sorry, uh, Ryan Gosling, but a hot seat for me. Big time hot seat. I have a lot of thoughts. Um, Give it to me. Give it to me. <laughs> Do you want to go first, Casey? Or no, you, you, can, you, can, you can take the lead, and I'll, I'll pinch it at the end. Okay. I'll start with the one that would probably be most surprising to people who have listened to me previously on this podcast, but I don't think Mike McCarthy is on the hot seat. Maybe he's on like a warm seat, like it's lukewarm uh, and it's beginning to heat up, but I don't think he's on the hot seat. Um, anytime a team faces that, that sort of adversity, you know, it is what it is. Um, Cliff Kingsbury, I don't think he's on the hot seat either. I think he's in it for the long haul with the Cardinals, and I think he's trending in the right direction. I think that whole team is trending in the right direction, um, and you can see it in their record. I mean, they were five and ten when he when he joined. They were eight and eight last season. They're probably going to have a winning record this season. Um, and on top of that, they're in probably the toughest division in football. So I don't think that's something that you can discount. So to me, if I'm looking at this list. I'm kind of copying what Casey said here, but it's really Zach Taylor and Vic Fangio that are the the true hottest of, of seats. I'm shocked that you said Matt Nagy is on the is on a hot seat. To be honest, I'm like very surprised at that, and I can kind of walk you through why. Um, the dude has has not had a losing season as a head coach. He had a 12 and four record when he started as a head coach, and then he had two eight and eight seasons with arguably the most mediocre quarterbacks that you could you could field. And he made he made Trubisky a Pro Bowler, so I have no, I don't think he's anywhere near being on the hot seat personally. I mean, his record. If you, you want to talk about a, a coach who probably should be on the hot seat more, but won't be because of the name. Your guy oh, Kyle Shanahan should go. be on the hot seat more. <laughs> no you want to talk about chance. records? This guy has a losing record. You want to talk about coaches that choke away games for their teams? I can't think of anyone other than Kyle Shanahan that does that more. So. I I don't know, man. It's it's a it's kind of wild to hear you make this argument about Matt Nagy when your boy Kyle Shanahan has a twenty nine and thirty five record as a head coach. So I, I'm not having it. I, I'm not having the Nagy hate. But I don't. I'm not saying Shanahan is is not a good coach. I'm not saying he's on the hot seat. But you know, N- Nagy shouldn't be anywhere near that seat. So, anyways, I digress. You can go ahead, Casey. I'll, I'll let you. I'll just go first. Let, let, let you. Let you. Let you talk. I, I kind of just want to want to put you on the spot and have I, you I, respond. I'll, I'll go. I'll Those talk. are some fighting words. I I generally agree with Cyrus, though. I don't think Matt Nagy is really on that hot of a seat. Um, you know, have they underperformed on offense to a certain degree? Yes, for sure. Um, but I I think especially ownership wise, you don't let a GM and a head coach trade. Uh, the picks that they did to go get a quarterback with the plans to move on from that guy the very next year. Um, it, it sort of reads to me as saying like, hey, we're going to tr- entrust you with a new quarterback. He is not the one that took Mitchell Trubisky. He came in. That was sort of his pitch to the to the GM, Ryan Pace, and and the the ownership of like, hey, I can do something with Mitchell Trubisky. And he did a little bit, and ultimately it wasn't enough. But um, he had three years of Trubisky, and now he gets his own quarterback. And I think that sort of gives him new life. Great finesse by him um, and Ryan Pace saying, like, oh, we just drafted a new quarterback. Let us stay and, and work and groom him and, and turn him into a, a legit guy. And I think Justin Fields can be that. Um, <clears throat> as far as Kingsbury goes, I, I don't know that that roster is totally stacked. They still have big questions in the secondary and on the offensive line. 
Um, you know, like Sarah said, I think they're also trending in the in the general right direction. Um, it's going to be hard to get over that hump in, in the division that they're in, but I think he is relatively safe as well. Um, you know, unless Kyler Murray just sort of drops off a cliff, I don't expect him to be in, in super spicy water. Um, but uh, Fangio and Taylor, like you mentioned, really do stand out to me. Fangio, I think, is a good coach, like Durgan said. Uh, his scheme is really starting to sweep the the NFL, what he was doing in, in Chicago and what he's doing in, in Denver. A lot of zone uh, too high looks, but he can shift to whatever out of that. And uh, Staley is actually a disciple of his, and he you know made some big noise with the with the Rams, and now is with the Chargers. And uh, the Packers went and hired Joe Barry, who's also been in that defense before, and they want to run that. So that scheme is starting to infiltrate a lot of what the NFL does on defense. Um, does that mean he's a good head coach? No, but he's also been dealt some pretty shitty cards as far as injury luck. Von Miller and Chubb uh, both going out in successive years, um, as well as some offensive pieces, some inconsistency at quarterback. Um, you know, why they didn't take a quarterback and take Justin Fields in this draft, I'm not entirely sure, um, but I'm not also entirely sure that was totally on him. So uh, he's he's got a, a little bit of a shorthand, and he hasn't done a great job with it. And, um, you know, when I think about the Broncos, I think, uh, who are they? Like, I really have no idea. Are they a pass-first team? Are they a run-first team? Do they, uh, are they a super physical team? Do they have an elite defense? I, they just don't have really an identity that I see, and I haven't seen one since he's been there, and I think that's his biggest problem because you got to look at a team and know what they are, and I have no, no fucking clue what the Broncos are. Uh, and then Zach Taylor... Um, I think just got promoted and got into that spot before he was truly ready. Um, you know, he's he's been uninspiring with uninspiring tools. And uh, he seems close sometimes. And what I've watched of, of Joe Burrow and during that breakdown, like they're sometimes the concepts are like close to being really good and, and successful, but he's just like a beat away. Like there's things that are tied to it with protection or uh, route design and stuff like that. That's just a little bit off. That's throwing things, things off for the Bengals. I think, uh, can he grow into that maybe in time, but I don't know if he can grow into that while he's also the head coach. I think that's something that where he might need to be step back and go to a coordinator position or something like that to, to get another chance down the road, perhaps. Um, but I don't think he's the guy you really entrust Burrow to for the long haul. So those are the two guys that, that really stand out to me, Fangio and Taylor. And uh, now I'm going to step back and let Durgan <laughs> fire his guns for the Shanahan shots that were fired, which were, are very valid. You know, I, I think whoever Shanahan's PR guy is, fantastic job because the facts are the facts. He, he's lost a, a number of games, and yeah, he's been dealt some shitty injury cards as well. Uh, but he's thought of like one of the brilliant minds of the NFL, and he absolutely has some great, great scheme and and can dial some things up. But uh, at the end of the day, you're you're really judged by wins and losses in the NFL. And the fact that he has a losing record as a head coach for the 49ers and has not even sniffed like a toaster in about three or four years is is pretty impressive on on his part. Yeah, not only losing record, but I mean, what has he done? Made it to the playoffs, made it to the Super Bowl, lost. Otherwise, what has he done? So, Darigan, so take, take it away. Yeah, I, I expect this anti-Niners propaganda from Casey, but Cyrus, <laughs> you know, it's too brute. Like, come on, man. But, but one question I'm going to ask before I get into my, my thoughts here. 
if Matt Nagy and Kyle Shannon were both fired today, who would be more attractive to other teams? Who other teams would be okay? We're gonna fire our coach to pick up this guy. The teams it would be Kyle Shanahan because they have he has a phenomenal PR guy like Casey said. (laughs) So his first year he has arguably the worst record, worst team roster wise in the NFL. They go six and ten, whatever. Next two out of three years they were in 2018 the second most injured team in the league, and in 2020 the most injured team in NFL history. You can't expect to win when you had the most. You know, injured team NFL history, and you're forced to start your squad backups. Now, you know that says to me like he's just not adaptable in treating his injury prevention. He's not new, not, no new strength oh. and conditioning coach, or so he hasn't get, adjusted he has practices. To get, he has to get his MD you know, he's just now, not a flexible guy. He's just not a flexible guy. He can't look at the data and say, "Hey, I need to lessen the load on the players when they get injured." You know, sometimes coaches just aren't cut out for this kind of level of, of coaching. Right, now, case now, that is, now, 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 you're, now you're just trolling. <laughs> now he's just trolling. For sure. Now you're just trolling. I was trolling. Now, now I you're was just trolling. You know what's I'll, I'll not a troll continue. though? Here's not. A, here's what's not a troll. One winning season as a head coach. That's fair. That's fair. But also very injured. But you know what? If he had a bad year this upcoming year, I'd be on board with you. But. By drafting Trey Lance. So that means he's on the hot seat. No, 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 definitely not. He, he just signed a contract extension for three more years, so they're not going to fire him with, if he gets after this year, five years off on his contract. He can go 0 16 and they'll keep him. But he bought himself more time with Trey Lance. I, that, that's the only you know insight I will agree with you on. But Matt Nagy, it's not just me thinking this. I'm, I'm not like the only person in the world saying, oh, Matt Nagy's on a hot seat. December 6th, they lose to the Detroit Lions. And go five and seven, or a five or seven record at this point. And CBS Sports, Jason Lacanorfa, who is a D bag, he's always wrong, but he says there are rumors about him being fired, Matt Nagy. And if they were to, Pat Fitzgerald, the head coach at Northwestern, would be the the main target. And to his offense, he asked, like they asked the next week, Pat Fitzgerald about that job, and he did not deny it. So there was obviously some smoke there. And there was if they didn't make the playoffs, I think there was a chance he could have got fired. So I'm not the only person thinking, oh, Matt Nagy's on a hot seat. He obviously is. But you have to look at the situations as well. They have an elite defense. Vic Fangio, that defense, the first year he was there, were the reason why they were any good. Of course, the double doink uh, kind of did the men have not his fault, per se. I remember it well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but ever since he hasn't had Vic Fangio, their defense hasn't looked as good, and their offense has looked pitiful. And you're an offensive-minded head coach. I know you had Mitchell Trubisky, and you got Justin Fields now, who who has to show something. If he shows a glimmer of hope, he can stay around. But if he goes out there and tanks, he's gone. There's no doubt about it, in my opinion. Also, you're in a point where the Packers are head and shoulders better than everybody else in the division, in my opinion. But Aaron Rodgers... I don't know about that one. The Packers are much better than the Bears, who are the second-best team, in my opinion. If Aaron Rodgers were to leave, all of a sudden, I think you're the next one up and you could be the Kings. Do you want to have Matt Nagy or do you want to go for a, you know, a big home run hire and get someone big? You're telling Matt Nagy, see ya. Uh, I, hey, I don't, you're, you're discounting the Vikings in that situation as well. The, okay, the yeah, Packers I, are kind of a wild card at this point. Right now, the Packers so are a wild Casey. card. I don't they want, could I don't be want the this conversation team. to shift to the Packers. All right, so we don't have to completely shift. That. I'll just say my piece, and then we can we can move on. But 
the Packers could be the best team in that division. They could easily come in and be the worst team in that division too with no Aaron Rodgers. It's a possibility. Just saying. If, and I would, uh, if they do worse than the Lions this year, Casey, you should buy, just go ghost forever. I'll eat a whole package of ghost peppers <laughs> if we're worse than the Lions. It, you might, you may have to, and it, it lives and dies with Jordan Love or whoever's at under the under center. So that's just Very how it true. is. <clears throat> and yeah. I would say, as far as Matt Nagy goes, and the Shanahan comparison is, the offense has not looked fantastic when you have a backup quarterback in. And if you think of Trubisky as being a backup quarterback level type of guy really what's kind of the difference you know what i mean like the the offense falls off a cliff when jimmy g isn't in uh you struggle to produce points the 49ers have found more ways to win i think they've been a little bit more dynamic and yeah we're trying to be a little bit trolls here to pick on shanahan and compare (laughs) him to Nagy, but uh you know he hasn't been dealt the the best hand as well as far as offensive personnel and, and quarterback situation offensive line uh no true elite running back so uh you know is he's he's on a weird seat he one cheek is cold one cheek is hot he doesn't know his body is all in flux he's trying to figure shit out as well i think also not to continue but i'm going to continue um <laughs> the niners defense carried them to that season as well let's not pretend that that defense wasn't elite it's like a high scoring offense in a league defense carried them but their offense they, they, they weren't schlups I'm just, it's easier to score when you're on the field more because your defense is preventing the other team from being on the field. So anyways, I rest my case. I like both of these guys. I like Nagy and I like Shanahan, but I just had to, I had to come at you for the slander to my dude. But anyways, when, when let's, go, when Niners go undefeated next year, 20-0, run table, Matt Nagy's fired. I'm going to smoke a nice cigar. Right, if they do that, I'll join Casey. I'll join Casey in his <laughs> ghost pepper, uh, all you can eat buffet, whatever he's planning. Um, let's let's move on though. That, that was fun, but let's go to our next segment here. We're gonna do a would you rather, Durgan. I'll kind of toss I'll mm-hmm. toss it to you. I'll get, hand you the baton. Uh, run us through these scenarios, and, and then we'll all kind of give our takes on it. Yes. So we have five would you rather's. The first one, this one is a little too close to home for me. Your team lose every Super Bowl they appear in, or just never make the Super Bowl in your entire life. Uh, personally, I would say not make the Super Bowl because. Uh, Niners, the only time they've won a Super Bowl in my lifetime, I was less than a year old. But I've seen them lose twice. And seeing your team lose a Super Bowl is the most, like, draining thing imaginable. Like, th- that night after they've lose, I just sit there and do nothing. I do this, don't even look at my phone, don't go on the computer, don't watch TV. It's terrible. And that feeling lasts forever. Like, if my team is never makes a Super Bowl and they suck forever, I can live with that. But that feeling of you get so close and then have it taken away from you... I, I, it's the worst. I can't. I can't handle that. Uh, I mean, this one's tough because it's just l- losing in different <laughs> ways. Like ultimately, yeah, you, you get the same, bad. the same. No matter what you're sad, you just don't get Super Bowl. So it's what kind of sadness do you want? I would like some happiness along the way. I think, and uh, you know, a little piece of me would inside hope that this is the year. And uh, as long as I didn't know this was the situation where I'm picking True. this. I would rather have the hope that we're going to win every year and enjoy that ride all the way to the top and then have the emotional drain uh, and sadness afterwards than just never be in the picture. Yeah, I'm with you, Casey. I I would prefer that as well just because I feel like if I knew my team was shit 
I would be more apathetic towards the whole thing and it wouldn't be as exciting to just continuously engage and watch the team. Um, so I'd agree. Uh, and I'm surprised to hear you say that, though, because I know your team's sort of doing that kind of in real life right now with the NFC Championship yeah, game. We're just, yeah, we just like to do it the game before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Next one. Your team, Super Bowl, once again, Super Bowl scenario. You lose because of a freak play. I think David Tyree catch, uh, the Julian Edelman catch, or he bobbles it in a million times, it comes down with it. Or would you rather lose on your own missed field goal? Uh, example, Scott Norwood at Bills, wide right. I would say Cody free- Parkey, Bears, Co- Matt yes, Nagy. That, that, that's sort of lost. <laughs> that's, that's, sort of, that's sort of lost. I said freak play because I always assume the kicker's going to miss anyway. Uh, I have no trust in any kickers. I don't care how good a kicker is. Like I just, if you line up for a field goal, extra point, I just assume you're going to miss. I don't care how good you are. A free play, like, that's be more, like, whatever. Like, it happens. Like, not your not your day. So if that happens, you got to tip your cat. But the field goals, I mean, I just, I see it coming, and it always hurts. Always hurts. <laughs> you really got losing Super Bowls on yeah, your mind I, here. I mean, it's used so to it, man. I'm used to it. Scenarios. <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> used to it. You have five rings. Like, maybe not in your lifetime, but yeah. the 49ers have won a lot, so... Um, count yourself fortunate as a, as a fan. Um, you know, you could be a franchise with only one ring, and that would be pretty devastating, I think. Oh, you know? hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I, <clears throat> I would say it depends a little bit on the length of the field goal. I would rather lose on a really long, like, 56-yarder that I know is a little bit Fair. out of range and be like, you know, I don't have huge expectations, but, boy, would this be cool if it went in. Because uh, I, I feel like the, the freak plays are just, like, how did we let that happen? Whereas a field goal, you're at least in position and it's one guy and you can cut that guy, fuck him, fuck the kicker and go get a new one the next year and you're all repaired and all good. Um, so I, I would lean towards the field goal. If it's a chip shot, one, chip shot one and I'm like, oh, we got this locked up. We're at the five and he just shanks that thing. Um, you know, I'd rather the free play, I think. That that would technically kind of be a free play uh, if we're being honest. So, um, But generally, I think I would go with the missed field goal. Yeah, I'm going to go with the missed field goal too because I think a freak play or some sort of amazing play to win the other team the game would be sort of etched in history a little bit more. Um, People would remember that versus a player missing a field goal. So I would probably do that and just try to forget that it ever happened as soon as possible. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, this one, in my opinion, the toughest one. Would you rather have you know a top three quarterback... Uh, think of a Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Payne Manning, a, a, a stud quarterback. Not like a Tom Brady who, like, meticulous, but, like, this a guy who goes out there and can win you games by himself. Uh, but those guys, the quarterback's guaranteed to turn the ball over at least twice every game for the whole season. So at least two turnovers, stud quarterback, or would you rather have a mid-tier quarterback, a uh, Bridgewater, Garoppolo, not Kirk Cousins, because I know Casey would definitely choose him. But a, a middle of the pack guy. That's my guy. See, I, I would rather have the elite quarterback because the turnovers suck, but the quarterbacks can make up for it. If you have an average quarterback, you need the team to elevate around them. And you don't know. Maybe they'll have four interceptions one game. You don't know how they're going to perform. So you can assume that they're going to take care of the ball, but you also can assume they're not going to win you the game. Um, I would have a, tr- I'd have trouble spotting another team two whole possessions every single game, um, guaranteed. Uh, you know, Brett Favre was in my Close youth, but 
that he's as close to this situation as you get. He's going to throw a couple to the other team and give them an opportunity. Um, you know, it depends on the chemistry and the team makeup, uh, whether you have a good defense to be able to withstand that. Um, that's a good question. I, you know, I think if you gave me Cousins, if you gave me Derek Carr, if you gave me one of those guys, I would do it. The tier below with Bridgewaters and Garoppolo's. Alex and Smith. And Alex Smith. Well, not playing anymore, but like when he was playing. Yeah, that would be harder for me. I would go with the Cousins and the Derek Cars. I wouldn't go with a tier below that. Does that satisfy that? Was that a That's cheating answer? Cheating answer, but I'll take it. I'll, I'll accept okay. it. Okay. <laughs> I think if you're throwing or dropping or whatever you want to call it, 34 turnovers in a season from one position that's a problem and you're probably not having a great season so i don't care how many brett Favre threw i i don't care anything about that that's that's not good no matter how elite your quarterback is it's going to cost you some games regardless i'd probably go with the mid-tier guy i mean we forget but garoppolo in the right scheme has played well i mean he had a four thousand yard season he he's played well i i would probably take a mid-tier guy. Bridgewater was a pro bowler. He has potential as, as well to, to play. You have to scheme around these players a little bit more, but I'm not taking an elite quarterback that's guaranteed to have 34 turnovers on a season. Bridgewater is not going to win you a Super Bowl. Just saying. Neither is any of these elite quarterbacks throwing 34 picks, bro. <laughs> yeah, but at least you have an opportunity. That's yeah. why I'm saying I'm going with a Derek Carr. Derek Carr can win you a Super Bowl. Kirk Cousins Derek Carr can win is you a not Super really Bowl. in this Bridgewater mid-tier, in the perfect system with a great defense, not going to win you a Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, even then. That's, that's a good point. Good point. Derek Carr should not count in this conversation. Neither should Kirk Cousins. They, they, they are don't, not they mid-tier. Don't. That was my cheat answer. Cheating, yeah. Durgan accepted. Durgan's answer. I asked him right. questions. Because, because he, he accepted He created it, his own so. scenario where he said for those guys, but for the two I mentioned, he said he probably have the elite quarterback, so it is uh, accepted. It is accepted. But not by the me. Wise, but anyways, go ahead. has spoken. <laughs> yeah, the true tribe has spoken. All right. Next one. Become the head coach of an upper-tier college program. <clears throat> Not in Alabama, not Ohio State, not not a school where they recruit the school recruits itself. Like you don't have to recruit Alabama, they come to you. I'm talking a, a Georgia, a Florida, a U, uh, hey USC now. They used to be dominant, but not anymore. But a very good program, or a bottom of the barrel NFL team. I'm talking the Bengals now, uh, the Browns before they got good all of a sudden. So like you have no job security, but you're an NFL coach. I am a little crazy. And I went with a college job. The college job is much tougher, obviously. NFL coaching, I mean, it's tough, but you don't have to recruit. But I'm an equal college football NFL fan, so I, I love the college game. And if you're a good program and you have, you know, you can recruit a little bit and you're a good coach, you have good job security. It's not like the NFL where if you're not in the playoffs for three years, you're gone. You know, in college, if you can win nine, ten games a year, every year, you'll be around for a long, long time. And the job security is why I would want to keep it. Uh, you might not win titles, but titles aren't as important in college and NFL. NFL, you have 32 teams. College, there's 100-plus teams. So it's tougher to win. And plus, that sport is so dominated by three or four teams as it is, you can't be expected to be at the pinnacle uh, every year. Maybe you get lucky once in a while, like LSU did. So never know. So give me a college team. Yeah, if we're talking financially and life stability, college. But I think the competitor competitor in me would want to go compete at the absolute highest level. And um, 
compete for a Super Bowl. Like that's ultimately the goal. And um, the playing field is a little bit more e- equal in the NFL, and you can sort of attain talent in a in a way that's equal to to everyone else uh, to a certain degree. You know, maybe you can't recruit people to Cincinnati. Um, because the city isn't fantastic or yeah, no offense to any Cincinnati inhabitors, um, <laughs> that are, are listening, but, uh, we like uh, Joe Burrow. So if you're mad at Cincinnati fans, we all like Joe Burrow sure. here. So sure. rebuttal. Uh, yeah, I think I would go with the NFL job just because I want to compete at the highest level and, and, and give that a shot. And you can be an NFL head coach for the rest of your life. And, uh, I think that that holds value as well. I'm going NFL as well. I think, you know, if you're bottom of the barrel, nowhere to go but up, right? So you have the opportunity to kind of shape and build the organization how you see it fit um, at the, at that point. And then also I think it's a lot harder to turn around a college organization than it is potentially an NFL organization. Um, you're not all of but a sudden going to become a powerhouse. In this, in this scenario, though, you're already taking over a high higher up college team. You're not starting the ball well, and barrel. You're give starting me an example. Um, How higher up are we talking? Florida, University of Florida, very good program. Not Alabama. You're not expected to win a championship, but you're consistently winning nine, ten games. You're consistently top twenty. Hmm. Let me look up how much the University of Florida head coach <laughs> makes. <laughs> makes good money and no income tax yeah. in that state. So, I think. So Dan Mullen is the head coach of the University of Florida, and he makes $6 million per year. Not so bad. I'm going college. I have changed my answer live on air. Um, okay, I misunderstood the question. I thought you were talking like rebuild no, smaller no, no. schools, smaller college schools. Uh, okay, college, yeah, for sure. And then, I mean, eventually you work your way up to the NFL, so it's, you're chilling. You're True. good. True, good point, good point. All right, last one here. Pick the team. Would you rather have Patrick Mahomes with the Lions roster or Jared Goff on the Chiefs roster. I picked Goff on the Chiefs because, yeah, Mahomes is freakishly good. But look at the Lions and their wacky head coach who wants to bite their kneecaps off. The lack of offensive weapons around them. Pretty poor defense. I don't think, obviously, you wouldn't be as good. They would be a lot better. They would probably be, you know, flirting in the playoffs. But I don't think they're anything special. Put Goff on the Chiefs. We kind of saw that with Alex Smith. They're a playoff team. They go in a playoff game. And I think since you know Oxman has been on the Chiefs a few years ago, Tyree Kill's gotten better. Uh, Kelsey's gotten better. They have Clyde the Glide now. They, and they have some defensive players too. So I'll give the roster. And Jared Goff, yeah, like everyone like craps on him and thinks he sucks, and he kind of does. But he's proven that if everything around him is good, he could be an okay quarterback. Two, three years ago, we were thinking this guy is a potential superstar in the league. Uh, things have not gone his way. But there's, there's still something there. Will be found in Detroit, but you never know. Yeah, I'm gonna go Goff on the Chiefs as well. I'm, I'm pretty high on Goff's pure arm talent. He needs a nice pocket, and he needs to be protected, and needs to be protected with with some boot game and getting him out on the perimeter a little bit, and that's sort of his his home. But um, if he's in a good situation, I believe in his arm talent, his accuracy, his ability to throw the ball. So I would go with the Chiefs. Um, their defense still worries me a little bit, but. Um, the weapons around him. I think the the team getting a better team is better than just getting one player, uh, even if that one player is a transcendent. And once talent. once again, I'm not trying to bag on you, Detroit fans. We all love you. I think Penny Stills a good player. <laughs> it might take a few years before you're good again. All right, I'm going to go with Mahomes because 
he has the potential to be one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen play the game. And I think it's, as we've said on this podcast numerous times, the most important position, not only in football, but in all of sports. So I'm going to say Mahomes, and then obviously you're playing a little bit of a longer game and building around him on the Lions. Um, is it an immediate situation where it's as good as he has on the Chiefs? Not even close. But is Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion, leaps and bounds better than Jared Goff? Yes. So I'm going to go Mahomes. That's fair. That's fair. Cool. Cool. Cool, is cool. that the, that's that's our last that's one it. here that, that was it that All was right. uh, numero five nice that was fun we should we should do that again um i like that i like that uh all right well let's wrap things up there on episode 91 of the weekly spot thank you so much for tuning in we really appreciate it before we head out want to give my co-hosts a chance to plug some content that you should be on the lookout for casey what you got down the pipeline yeah, I got a breakdown on Marquez Valdez Scantling coming out on on Thursday. It'll be on the website and YouTube. He's a great deep threat, but uh, to be a great deep threat, you also got to catch the ball. He has a little bit of an oh. issue there, so uh, it's a contract year for him, and he's made some nice development. But will it be enough to keep him around in Green Bay? Sometimes players show up on contract years. We'll see if it happens. Durgan, what about you, man? Uh, top ten quarterbacks for the twenty twenty two class. Uh, I've not done a huge study of these guys. It's more, mostly uh, armchair scouting where I'm just watching these guys over the past year. Uh, some interesting names. A lot, lot of good talent. Uh, no super elite ones, but check out uh, what I think about it. Awesome. Excited for that. This has been a weekly spot production bringing you fresh football every single week. Thank you again for tuning in and we look forward to episode 92 next week. Okay.